Casa of Fresno, Madera Counties presents to you the Casa Fam Podcast. Tune in to hear in-depth stories of heroes of hope, foster youth, and how we can all create change in a foster youth's life. Tune in every other Tuesday for inspiring conversations on how you can become a part of the solution. Welcome back to the Casa Fam Podcast. Today we have Mitch Shaw, court-appointed special advocate, real estate agent, mental health advocate. He serves on various committees and boards, which serve the underserved people of our community. Welcome, Mitch Shaw. Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me today. (laughs) In today's episode, we will focus on the topics of advocacy, Mitch's journey, and why it's important to give back to your community. When researching what an advocate means, Google's definition is, advocacy means getting support from another person to help you express your views, and wishes, and help you stand up for your rights. In your words, what does it mean to be an advocate? Diana, I like the Google definition. I mean, getting support um, from another person and really helping them express their views, really being a voice is I think what an advocate means. So uh, sometimes people aren't quite sure what their views are, or if they are sure what they are, they may not be comfortable with them or may not be comfortable expressing them in all situations. And I think an advocate is someone that can possibly tear down some of those walls and maybe help them to that end. Yeah, definitely. What point in your journey did you realize you wanted to make a difference in a child's life? I really stumbled upon this. Um, I just really quickly, my wife always wanted to adopt and do foster care, and I did, and I wanted to support on the back end. I'll support financially, or I'll do this. And there just became a tugging on my heart uh, just for a number of years uh, about doing something with foster care. I didn't know what it was. I have a cousin who was an advocate in Bakersfield. Oh, wow. She's younger than me. She thinks she's my boss, and she said, <laughs> hey, you're going to be a casa, and I didn't know what a casa was. So right. That's really... You're like, you're, I'm going to be a house? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So that's really kind of kind of how it started. It, it the light came on and said, "Okay, I am supposed to go down this road," and um, the rest has been history or history in the making, so to speak. Yeah, this is kind of somewhat off topic, but it's kind of aligns with you. It's so interesting that you're a realtor and your job is essentially to help build people to finding them home, their homes and their forever homes or things like that. And now you're working for an organization or helping support an organization that basically does the same thing and costs in the, the word. And it's just everything it ties in <laughs> it itself. It's so interesting how the world works. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's so That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Without sharing too much personal information about your youth, can you talk about the growth of each case? Yes. I am currently on my third case mm-hmm. right now. And my kiddos... Two of them were young males mm-hmm. who were 15, 14 when I, when I got them. And uh, just the uh, reading the case file and, and getting to know them, becoming aware of the backgrounds that they come from was really heart-wrenching. I felt so small, so humble, knowing that things like that were going on right in this community in Fresno, Madera County. Yeah. So I'm talking about, and it's not just the past with, with the two of my kiddos or all three of my kiddos. It's not like, well, they had a, a kind of a tough past and now things are shaping up. That past continues to repeat itself. So the loved ones that weren't there or were abusive continue to be not there and continue to be abusive. So that pattern is now the norm for them. Yeah. The in and out of the homes, I, th- I think between two of my kiddos, they were probably in 30 different facilities. Wow. And how long have you been an advocate? 
I believe now about five years, I'm guessing okay. four to five years. Four to five years and you're a combined total of over 30 placements for each of your, for a combined total of your youth. That is insane. Yes. That's a revolving door for your kiddos, just seeing in and out people coming and going. And it's, that's traumatic in itself. And Diane, when you think about it, the trauma is when it's time to leave and go from one place to the other, you get your bag, probably a garbage bag. and put all of your stuff in it, grab it, and go to the next place, and that is their norm. Yeah, they don't even have suitcases to do that. Like, that's the sad part. It's It feels so kind of disposable in a sense. Like, you're carrying garbage bags. Yes. That's some... It almost sounds kind of inhumane in ways. Sad. So kind of to go back to the question for growth which eat within each youth. Is there one of the youth in particular that you felt like there's such a growth case or all three or kind of kind of touch on that a little bit? I refer back always to the CASA training, mm-hmm. which no pun intended, I'm a huge advocate for. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the things that I remember from my training was to do the work for the work's sake. Mm. So we're involved with these youth not so that we can say, oh, and now he's a college professor, and now he's a graduate. Now Those things would be nice. And I'm not saying that we don't have goals and we don't aspire to those things. But we do this just because it's the right thing to do. Because when you look at the data, a large percentage of youth that are in foster care, that if they don't avail themselves of the different resources that are out there, homelessness is a reality to yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. So that that part is... is so they, I mean, But there have been... Um, Really great milestones. I know that on my first kiddo, seeing him graduate from high school early. That's a, such a win. That's was such a, a huge win. win. And, I, and I'll share this. It, um, and this doesn't share his identity. His family, who lives here in town, decided not to show up the day of the graduation. Wow. So he's at his graduation. Initially, I wasn't able to go as an advocate because he only had a certain number of tickets. Right. And then the morning of, he says, well, no one in my family's going. You can come if you like. It turns out I was heartbreaking. So that's kind of the reality. And things like that, while they, to me or you, might seem like, oh my gosh, you know, how could that happen? Oftentimes are the norm in the lives of our foster youth. Yeah, especially like that level of like rejection that you feel. It's like you think that's on you, but it's, it has nothing to do with you. Right. That's like external things. That's really sad. So, but that is a win though, because I think the win in itself is him graduating. And then also win is like someone was there. Because right. if you hadn't been there, no one would have been there. Right. And that's where like our causes are such an important piece in their lives is because sometimes no one shows up and that's the person who does. Right. Can you touch on the topic of generational wealth and why you believe in this concept and how this applies to maybe foster youth or how it can affect them? Definitely. When, we hear, when I hear generational wealth, I think of money. Mm-hmm. I think of currency, I think of finances, and that is very much a part of generational wealth. Also, if you just look at the first word, generational, I think of legacy. Mm-hmm. Legacy is what's going to be here once I'm gone. We all have an expiration date. So the way I relate generational wealth with foster youth is the wealth that you can gain by pouring into other people, by leaving a legacy, leaving them something that they can continue to eat from Yeah. after you're gone. I think is probably the most important thing we can do because no one really cares about how much stuff you had or how beautiful you were or how well you were dressed, that kind of thing. It's what we leave here, yeah. not just for the earth, but for the people that are here. So that's why I think it's really important. And then if you're thinking of generational wealth or if you're thinking of legacies, there also means that there's hope. Right. 
And so many of our foster youth are without hope. Fact, yeah. if we're honest, so many of us non-foster youth yeah. oftentimes have our hope robbed from us. Let's say a foster youth were to like say, I want to build generational wealth. Where do I begin? What would be like the first kind of place to look? We have a, uh, had a question like that a couple weeks ago, actually. And it obviously varies on the situation that, are in, that they're in. In this case, their credit score. Hmm. Let's just become educated on what it is. Yeah. How do I check it? How do I affect it? So just really, really simple spending habits, saving habits. Really, really, um, ILP is a great resource okay. to, to build generational wealth because it teaches so many of the tools. It teaches about banking. It teaches things like that. But as an advocate, you meet a person right where they're at, a kiddo right where they're at. And in this case, it was, well, let's talk about your credit score. Let's talk about how we can affect it. We talk about if you spend more than you make, you probably are always going to have an issue paying your bills. Right. And so, you and you teach your your foster youth that as well, right? Your kiddos? Yes. It actually came up a couple of weeks ago. It was a person that was wow. trying to find out where they were going next, and it was a question they had. So we were able it. to touch. And then we also, I good thing about an advocate, I don't take myself too seriously. I don't have to have all the answers right. for my kiddo. If I don't know, I tell people all the time, I go, I think I'm one of the smartest people I know. And then I stop and they look at me and I go, it's because I'm cool saying what what I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So it's really about pointing them to resources and saying, hey, I don't know, but let's find out together. It's so interesting. Um, I really like to read and I like to read like entrepreneurship books. I like to read about like self-help and like mindset coaching. And so it, it always says that the smartest person in the room isn't the one talking, it's the one asking the questions. Yeah. And so that's like so key. So when you say when you say that, it just makes so much sense. Kind of to go on, 80% of our advocates are female and the other 20% are males. What encouragement would you give to men to be inspired to become an advocate? You will gain more than you give. I didn't realize that coming into being an advocate, but you absolutely will gain. I have benefited more from being in the lives of my kiddos than they ever could have benefited been from, from me, just watching them grow, watching them learn, watching them take steps, watching the process just for the work's sake. So that's one thing. But I'm not saying just do it for selfish gain. Right. It is also a way to pour back into your community. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be a, a big one week or one year kind of thing. You can commit to one child at a time, one kiddo at a time, and you can make a difference in what happens in yeah. Fresno, Madera County. Even just like for instance, I don't know if you've heard this story yet, but we had a past foster youth who had um, was failing in school and had a hard time reading. And it was coming to find out that um, he finally expressed to his advocate, he, he, it wasn't that he wasn't studying, it wasn't that he wasn't trying, he just literally could not get it, the material that was on paper. So the advocate said, okay, let's do more testing come to find out. So he had dyslexia and that was the reason why he wasn't able to retain the information as well because he needed to be in a special class. And that would never have happened if he never voiced it to his advocate who then spoke up for him and then was able to pass his classes. And it's just one one word, one, hey, can we look more into this? And just like going the extra mile takes it beyond than you could ever imagine. And that's so important too, which I think is amazing what you guys do is their voice is already heard and I always stress this so highly about when we changed our um, tagline it was the voice that matters to foster youth now it's the voice that empowers because the youth already have a voice you guys are just there to help enhance it and to teach them for one day to stand up for themselves and be able to use it for themselves 
Absolutely. which I think is powerful. By the way, that, that uh, example that you gave about the dyslexia mm -hmm. really speaks to the definition that you gave earlier, Google's definition of an advocate. Yeah. That was being a voice, speaking up for something that the, the kiddo didn't even know they identified it, that yeah. was being an advocate, saying, hey, this might be what it is, and then finding a, an avenue of, of possibly yeah. um, solution. Just resources. You guys provide so many resources for them that they wouldn't have otherwise found. Yeah. And that's powerful. What are some of the harsh realities of being an advocate? Because I know that it's not as easy as everyone might think it is. It's like you're coming into a new environment. You're entering someone's new environment who's had a lot of trauma, a lot of maybe neglect or abuse. And so that can create some type of distance in the beginning because you don't know whether or not you can trust this person to stay or leave. So what are some of the harsh realities of being an advocate? And then we can go on to the wins later on. The One of the harsh realities, and you touched on it a little bit, is your initial introduction to your kiddo. You're right. You don't just walk in and go, hey, I'm Casa. Let's go hang out. Right. Most of the people in their lives enter their lives and exit their lives quite frequently. Hmm. One of the perspectives that, that foster children have is that people are in their lives are receiving a paycheck, and you're only here because you're getting paid to be here. Right. So you want to establish that you're not being paid, that you're here, that you want to be here. One of the kiddos that I had for six months didn't want to see me. Mm. Didn't want to see me. And I just, and that's okay. So that's a harsh reality that it had to be when it was okay. But I think it's a matter of earning the right to advance. Yeah. Like, I mean, who gets to just walk up to you and, and you know, get to listen to some of the intimate details of what's going on in your life and yeah. whether or not you have ADHD without earning the right to advance, knowing that you can be trusted. Right. So that's a part of it. And I think another one of the harsh realities is not everyone that's out there, their lives don't match maybe the life that the advocate is from. Yeah. So we have to be really careful that what I think is a quote unquote clean house or what I think is properly dressed. Well, that doesn't mean that that's the only definition for it. Another reality is should they age out of the system, mm -hmm. you may or may not hear from them again. Right. They may decide to go another direction and, and sever ties with you. So there, there are some harsh realities. This is real life for them. It's not a volunteer right. uh, advocacy deal. This is where they really are. So that's, that's probably the harshest reality is that it doesn't, it's not going to match with what your sense, whatever it is. And I point to myself, whatever I think is normal may not be normal to them. Yeah. And that's like in life too. Like yeah. it's everything's perspective. Someone's one, like your perspective on one situation can be separate from someone else's, mm -hmm. even though it might be the same situation. You're interpreting it in different ways because of different lenses. Right. Um, we can't judge. You can't, you really can't because I, I love the saying, like, you walk a mile in someone's shoes and then you'll know why, like, their feet hurt, yeah. you know, because... If they even have shoes. Yeah, if they even have shoes. So that's kind of like the reality. What are some of maybe the positive wins from being an advocate? The joy. Once you earn the right to advance, to get to share in their joy. And it can be just the smallest things. There are so many places... That, that you and I take for granted, whether they are restaurants, movie theaters, we take for granted, ah, oh, yeah, that's just my cinema. I've been there a hundred times. Mm -hmm. To go to those places and enjoy and to be able to pick what you want off of a menu yeah. is a huge thing. Or to be able to express yourself and not feel out of place. Many of these kiddos are simply, they're learning how to order at a restaurant. Yeah. So to see the joy and that they're comfortable to, uh, I know one of my kiddos, I took a birthday cake to his school and his principal later told me, 
that was the first time that anyone had ever celebrated his birthday. Wow. That she knew of, and he'd been, she'd been with him for a while. Yeah. This was a 16-year-old. That's so sad. So just a cake, and I'm thinking, oh, it's probably going to embarrass yeah. them. They don't want to, I yeah. probably shouldn't bring it. This was the greatest thing. So seeing the joy in their faces is one of the... Um, one of the greatest things for, for me as yeah. far as the wins. Like even you saying that makes me kind of emotional because it's like we really do take so many things for granted. Like the thing, like even going to the beach or vacation, like that's not something that they're accustomed to, you know, yeah. especially during the summertime. That's why CASA really tries our hardest to like implicate, you know, activities for them to come and do or gift cards, summer fun initiative where they can go with their friends somewhere or do something because a, the harsh reality is a lot of times that's not an opportunity for them. Yeah. And there's a lot of limitations that they see. Right here in Fresno, we took a, a train ride not long ago. Mm-hmm. And initially, he was like, train? Yeah, I don't want to do a train. So we left alone. We tabled it. And then kind of said, I said, you know, I travel on the train a lot. You know, there's a place in Hanford that's got ice cream. Maybe we go down there. Superior Dairy. Absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly. Ice cream cones as big as your head. Yes. So, but we got on the train. And the smile. You talk about some of my joys, the smile. Because, I, I mean, most teenagers, they have to be cool, act like, oh, not like a big deal. Yeah, yeah. When something is joyful to my kiddos, they don't care who's around. I don't care if I'm 16. I'm showing all of my teeth. That's I'm so looking cool. out the window. And he's always like, take a picture and send it to me. Oh. I mean, it, I mean, this is a now 17-year-old, the zoo was was that type of thing didn't wow. realize it so there's things right here in town uh, riding on a train going to the zoo they might like football they might not they might like sports but those kind of things you'd also be surprised at i don't know if you have uh, younger sisters or cousins but by the time a person that lives in fresno is 13 or 14 yeah. they could kind of let you know where any place they want to go is yeah not so with our kiddos many times yeah. they don't they haven't been um, what is this? This is um, uh, Fashion Fair over here. Mm-hmm. This is River Park over here. Yeah. These are places that they haven't been. Yeah. Or even like I remember when we're like in eighth grade or junior high, you walk around with your friends around, you know, River Park and you're yeah. just kind of doing that and just mingling and just hanging out and that's a way for connection. And it, I can see not even realizing it. That was never something I thought about. Like those children probably don't get the opportunity no. because... You could be labeled as maybe a runaway or something could happen where it's like all these labels are placed on them. And that's so interesting because we actually recently, our um, first advocate advocate that we interviewed, she was telling me about how how crazy it was that they had gone to Sephora. Mm -hmm. She had taken her two um, siblings set to Sephora and they were walking in and she just realized it's almost like this veil where they think they can't walk into places because of the label they've been given of them as foster youth. And it was like, she had to explain to them, you're just entitled to be here as everyone else. Like you are just because this situation happened to you in your life and the decisions that were made that were not your decisions does not define you. And it does not mean that you are not allowed here as well. You are allowed. You're allowed to belong here. You're allowed. This has access to you as well. And I thought that was crazy because I was like, people don't realize that. Like they, without saying it, there is a veil there that none of us talk about. And it's, I think so important that start breaking down these barriers for them to realize you are just like the person next to you. There's just maybe your, your house and the way that you were raised is might, might be different. Yes. Yes. 
another reason for advocacy. Yeah. Like a, a soft landing spot when they are in this uncomfortable place. Yeah. Because again, if I'm honest, if you're honest, I don't like being uncomfortable yeah, as no. I go into a place. But how much more for them? So for that advocate to be there to reassure them or to say, hey, you know, do we leave and come back later? Yeah. But they, they need someone there for that because what we consider just, um, just, just, regular common tools just for being out in society oftentimes they don't have and it doesn't make them less right it's i i want to be really careful when i use this word the word ignorant does not imply that you're stupid that you can't learn ignorant just means that you don't know about a certain subject right and so there is a there is a an ignorance where they haven't been exposed and part of what the advocate can do is tear down those walls because if not if they if those walls are never torn down they're either not going to go to those places or when they do go they're going to just go with their instincts which may not serve them best yeah definitely i completely agree when researching you i kept seeing the word respect what does that word mean to you and how does that apply to being an advocate I'm not going to tell you what my age is, but my age, <laughs> I, I, I call an old man. Okay. And I think old people are a problem. Oh, interesting. I really do. I think we're so full of ourselves. I think that we are the person that are supposed to have all the answers. Yeah. And we think that a younger person is just sitting around waiting for us to come and tell them how it was when we were younger and, and wait for direction from us and all this stuff. Right. So we're supposed to be the smartest people, most experienced people on the planet, yet Something as simple as respecting our children, our kiddos, is something that we miss on. Right. And we will never, you're, you're right, they do want to hear from you, but people really, and everybody can finish this saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Well, we let that roll off our tongue, but do we really live it? So I think the respect factor comes in as far as respecting this person, that space, that that young person was like, no, I, I don't want to get together with you for coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Well, yeah, you waited six months. Most people would have been like, I'm not even, I've not met my youth. Is this worth it? And you still suck it out out of respect because you just realized that you met, which we'll talk about soon, is you met the youth where they were, not yeah. where you wanted to meet them. And that is respect. Yeah. Because we can say we respect someone, but... You can't fool our youth. They know if it's genuine. They know if it's sincere. Remember, they've got adults, old men, old women running in and out of their lives all day, be they social workers, principals, whoever it might be. And they have a a sixth sense. Their antenna goes up and can tell if this person is genuine. So part of that respect is being genuine and saying, hey, whatever it takes. And then you don't have to be like them. I think that's kind of disrespectful, too. Yeah. You know, I'm not 16, so I don't need to behave that way. But I can more than be respectful to a 16-year-old. That's so interesting. I love how you said you don't have to be like them to relate yeah. to them. You just kind of have to respect and accept and kind of encourage, almost support what they what they like. You don't have to. It doesn't mean you always have to agree with it. But, like, if they're passionate about it, it's not harming, harming anyone. When Why does it affect anything else, right? right? I like that. So... One of the most important things we remind advocates is as we're talking is, you know, meet the youth where they are. A lot of times youth's world may seem different and there could be culture clashes. Can you tell us a little bit about Lil Boozy and how you related (laughs) to your youth in this way? We were having lunch or tea or something like that, my kiddo and I. And they brought up, we were talking about music, because I like music. Yeah. Remember, I'm an old man, so I'm talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what do you like though? What do you like? I'm thinking, you know, cameo, I'm thinking, you know, all this kind of stuff. So my kiddo brought up um, Lil Boosie, and I was honestly, I didn't try, I was like, 
not really familiar with him. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I left and did research and listened to his music. He's got a lot of content out on social media, makes a lot of videos. And the next time we got together, again, I wasn't trying to be their age, but just to respect them, I was like, hey, I learned this about Lil Boosie. I learned this about him. He used to date Deion Sanders' daughter. Oh my God. Looks like he's estranged from one of his children. I wasn't coming from a judgmental place. Because no. old people like me want to go, that guy's got a foul mouth and he's doing this. But right. it's really just a level of respect. Yeah. And I mean, as far as rap, I may not listen to it, but I have a, I respect rap music. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to it, but I like the I like the flow. I like the way people put rhymes together. Um, also, the dedication that yeah. it takes to make music in yeah. itself—it's a gift. So just to connect, and I wasn't trying to be like, "Yeah, I got all the CDs <laughs> now," and I'm, I wasn't going to quote one of his songs. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was interesting because my kiddo looked at me and was like, "Hmm, wow, that's pretty good." And then. Actually gave me someone else to work on. So uh, oh, that's yeah. cool. The, so. I me, I bet that made them feel like wow. They actually he actually listens to me. Like he's hearing what I'm saying. He's taking interest in what I'm interested in, and that's so powerful. I always think think that people get more excited when you're excited for them too. It's yeah. like you want people to win, and the people that you care about to win as well. Yeah. So I think that's important. From the wise words of Mitch Shaw, why not you? Why not today? What are three words of advice that you would give to someone interested in becoming an advocate but are scared to take that leap? Three words. Yeah. Three key words or just a saying or just a word of advice to someone who is interested in being an advocate but maybe they're just scared. They just don't know what to expect. Be caring. Mm -hmm. Have faith and serve. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think if you do those things that you will fit right in because CASA has all of the support as you are becoming an advocate and the support is there as you continue to be an advocate. So if you would just do those three things, I think that you'd be fine. Yeah. So worth it. it oh, I'm glad. So to kind of wrap up the interview, this is I'll leave you with one final question. Who was Mitchell Shaw 10 years ago and who is he today? was probably a guy who thought he had it all together, thought he was still working on some things. And today, I'm a guy who knows that he doesn't have it all together, knows that he's still working on some things and is comfortable with that. Yeah. Where exactly can people find you? If they're interested in kind of linking with you as far as a real, real estate or anything like that, where can people find you? That's cool. My socials are Mitch Shaw Realtor, Mitch Shaw Realtor. I'm a realtor with uh, Keller Williams. Email address is mshaw at kw.com. So not that hard to find. And yeah. um, again, I, you didn't need to ask that. I just, a realtor is That was me asking. That. Okay, it was me cool. asking. I don't want people to think that was him asking. This it was, guy plugged himself. No, 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 no. I I'll always ask what? everyone at the end because cool. I, I think that the people that I select, it's I'm very intentional with the people that I want to mm -hmm. bring on the podcast. And I think that the people that we bring on have so much weight and power behind what they're doing that I want other people to be able to connect with them. That's cool. And so that's why I always ask everyone that I interview, like, where can people find you? Because a lot of times after our episodes, people are so intrigued by the person on the other end talking to me. And I feel like it'd be a great way to connect. And, you know, I'm not, I'll say like shameless plug. Okay. We're going to plug you. <laughs> thank you. I'm humbled <laughs> by that. Yeah. But thank you so much again, Mitch. I really appreciate your time and coming in today and talking to us about everything. I appreciate everything. you. Thank you for the work you're doing. It matters. Thank you.